0: Offer valid on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is FeSIN Tonight with veteran handicappers Matt Humans
3: and Wes Reynolds on FECIN, the sports betting network.
2: Welcome back to decent Tonight, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Wes Reynolds, Matt Humans, and uh, we're gonna welcome in David Beerman of Pro Football Network, Chief Content Officer. And uh, David, thanks for coming back on tonight. And you're gonna be in Vegas for Super Bowl week, right?
4: Yes, sir. I'll be there uh, Sunday, the day of the Pro Bowl, and I'll be there through the game the following Sunday, leaving the following Monday morning. So it'll be nice eight days in Sin City. Looking forward to being back. Now oh, you're wow.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, you worked with uh, ESPN for a long time. How many Super Bowls have you had a chance to go to in terms of uh, uh, Radio Row or just being the city for the game at the time?
4: Believe it or not, after 18 years at ESPN and another 10 to 15 years working in baseball, this will be my first Super Bowl. I've been to every other event you can imagine at every level. The bucket list. This is the first. I mean, I've been uh-huh. to Super Bowl events. Like I've gone to the NFL Experience and stuff when it was in my hometown in Miami, but just the timing never worked out because ESPN never owned the rights to the Super Bowl. Obviously, they're getting it in 2026, and so we sent a small contingent. But World Series, multiple eight national championship games, BCS Alliance, whatever you want to call them, CFP, Masters, U.S. Open, British Opens. You can keep the list going. Never been to
2: a Super Bowl. So this will be a first. You said Masters and British Open, West. Well, so on my bucket list of events I've never been to: the Masters and the British Open are both on there. I've never been to either. Have yeah, you? Yeah,
3: same for me. Oh, okay. Uh, been been to a PGA, uh, never been to the uh, been to a U.S. Open, but never Masters US or U.S. Open, Open
2: PGA, but no British Open or Masters. All right, David Beerman, oh. let's talk uh, football at Pro Football Network. I was looking at some of your stories today. How about Bill Belichick being overpassed in this hiring cycle with uh, several openings? Uh, that's a big headline today. Are you surprised Belichick did not get a job?
4: I am surprised he didn't get a job because I thought, honestly thought teams would line up to, to, to take advantage of the fact that you have one of the greatest coaches of all time who's dedicated to breaking that Don Shula record and doesn't need much to get there so you know there's still fire in the tank. And, yes, without Tom Brady, there has been differences there. But i don't just put it on the fact that Belichick didn't have Brady. The roster that he had in New England has been terrible Since Brady left, it's one of the reasons Brady left now. That roster was put together by him, Bill Belichick. But Bill Belichick wasn't interviewing to be the GM. He was interviewing to be the head coach. Uh, And if I was Atlanta, I probably would have gone with Bill Belichick. I know that there may have been differences of opinions between Richie McKay, GM slash president, and Bill Belichick. So they didn't really want to go that route. But there were still other teams out there that I thought might have made a play for him. I don't think there's anybody left on the board with Washington and Seattle who are going to go that route. Obviously, if Seattle wanted an old coach, they would have kept Pete Carroll, Uh, and Washington seems to be going the Ben Johnson route, Uh, but I am surprised Atlanta didn't go with Belichick. We we may not know for a while the reason that dropped out, but the longer it took, the less surprised that I am overall. So I was not surprised at all today, but I was surprised it didn't happen a couple of days ago, because like. Belichick's in town first. You really need to interview him a second time. I mean, Mm -hmm. walks in with six rings on, like, hey, can you tell me about your best coaching moment? Maybe he came out and said, hey, when I was down 28-3 to against your franchise, and then they kicked him out. Who knows? But I thought that if you wanted Bill Belichick, you're going to go get Bill Belichick. And now it looks like he, you know, musical chairs without a seat. He may have to sit out a year or forever. We don't know.
2: Well, I heard a rumor that uh, Belichick printed out his resume at Kinko's and it had a bunch of spelling mistakes on it. That's a big reason why he didn't get the job. Falcons HR department wasn't impressed. Now, okay, how how about you're a Dolphins guy. How about Vic Fangio leaving as defensive coordinator? And I know the Miami defensive numbers were not that impressive this season, but I do think he's one of the best DCs in the business. Uh, What's your reaction to Fangio and the Dolphins uh, parting ways?
4: I think we were on the show back in August. I don't know if it was one of you or somebody else said that the biggest free agent of the offseason may have been Vic Fangio going to the dolphins and improving that defense. And I bought in, I drank the Kool-Aid. Um, it's a tough defense to get used to. And it doesn't seem like they got used to it until it was too late. And then of course, once they did get used to it and they got a top 10 defense, the injuries took over from what I've read what I've heard. And Adam Beasley, our dolphins beat writers heard all these things that the players may not have bought in. It may not have liked him. And obviously if anybody's watched hard knocks, you've seen Mike McDaniel being the young guppy who runs around with, you know, the the fancy shades and the the pulled up um, khakis and the, and the sneakers. And then you have Vic Fangio who's 60 something years old and is old school. So that may not have been the best mix, but I think the players are more like McDaniel than Fangio. So it doesn't seem like everything was as cheery as people had hoped. So I'm not completely surprised. What I am surprised about, and Adam Beasley wrote about this today on Pro Football Network, if you want to go read it, is that the Dolphins didn't get anything for Fangio leaving. Because he had a three-year contract being paid the highest of any defensive coordinator in football. They let him out of his contract. and he immediately he's going to go sign with Philly. Why wasn't there a little bit of, hey, we'll give you a pick? Or was there tampering? Or did he just want to, like... Force get something for it. So I'm a little surprised the Dolphins didn't play a little hardball there because that's what happened on the back end, which is why he left Philly to begin with when the whole Gannon situation. But at the end of the day, it wasn't going to work out in Miami and they're going to move in a different direction. And if the players and coaches weren't buying in, then it's the right move. David,
3: uh, you mentioned uh, during the discussion there about Washington perhaps uh, going the Ben Johnson route. Uh, Ben Johnson, of course, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions who uh, now go to San Francisco one game away uh, from making... Their first Super Bowl, not their first NFL championship. They did do that back in 1957. And they're going out to San Francisco, total 51 and a half, as high as 52. I think there's still a 51 out there. But a lot of the flat sevens disappeared. There's seven with juice and there's even seven and a half out there. Uh, Are you buying into this uh, uh, what has been probably the best uh, media story of the playoffs, certainly with Detroit?
4: It's been a great story. And obviously, Detroit hasn't done on the road. They've won their two playoff games at home, and they haven't been a great road team. And at the end of the day, I do think San Francisco wins and goes on to the Super Bowl, but I'm going to take the seven, seven and a half. I'm absolutely going to do it. I said it on Twitter slash X at the end of the San Francisco comeback against Green Bay. I joked, it's going to take me a third of a second on Sunday to take Lions plus seven when that posts. And sometimes I'm better at. Lines than I am actually the bets, and sure enough, it opened at the exact number, and I took it immediately because I just think it's too many points. Even though the Lions are not the same team on the road as they are at home, they're a really good team, really good offense. Defense is dicey at times, but really, why the reason I'm taking the seven, West is because San Francisco is not the same team when Debo Samuel is not on the field, and we've seen it time and time again. There are three losses in the middle of the years when Debo is out. They average per play, two and a half yards difference. Their EPA is different. The way they run the ball is different. Their QBR from Brock Purdy is 15 points lower when Debo was off the field and when on the field. Now he may play, but he's not a hundred percent. And you could tell in that green Bay game, how different that offense was without Debo on the field from the minute he went out, they were very fortunate to win that game. Now I know when they win, the Niners have covered and they've won by double digits. In I think they won in double digits 11 of the 12 wins they had this year. But this is a very good Lions team that really has nothing to lose. Their coach makes you want to run through a wall, and you're getting a touchdown against a team that may be missing one of their best weapons out there in Debo. All
2: right, David Beerman, Pro Football Network. He's on Lions plus 7.5 now. That's the number at DraftKings, a couple other spots. Circa is at 7 minus 120. Uh, But if you like the underdog here, Lions plus seven and a half is available. How about the first game in the on the AFC side? Kansas City, Baltimore, and uh, Chiefs are four point dogs in most spots. Total of forty four and a half. You're going to look at the uh, the total, not the side.
4: Yeah, I really don't know who to take on the side. I'm being fully transparent. I can see the Ravens winning this one, and I can see Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid doing it again. Um, So I'm going to look at the total because I really could not. I don't know who's going to win the game. I wouldn't be surprised either one, but I do like the under here last week in the Baltimore Houston game. I was on the over as given out on this show and it struggled to get there. Baltimore got there late, but they struggled to get there against a not good Houston defense. What has impressed me the most about this Kansas city team this year is not Mahomes and isn't Kelsey. And isn't one of their thousand receivers that dropped the ball. It's spags defense. Spagnola's defense has been really good this year. It shut down the likes of Miami and it shut down other teams. And they're really good defense, as you saw in them holding the Bills that day. And I think between a Baltimore offense that struggled against a bad Houston defense and a really good Kansas City defense with a Kansas City offense that has struggled to convert in the red zone time and time again, I think this is going to go under the 44 and a half, 45 that's out there right now.
2: All right. So you didn't play the side at all in Chiefs Ravens, and I can understand that. It's uh. I'm surprised to see this number go to four West. And did you know yesterday the Westgate Superbook actually flashed a four and a half on this game?
3: Yeah. Look, okay. um, yeah, yeah. We were waiting to see uh, when the chiefs money come in. Maybe it will on the weekend, but the, the line was low. I think as, uh, you know, some of the two and a halves and even like the flat threes, I thought that was low. Mm-hmm. I agree with Paul Bovey was on with us earlier that that was a little bit too low on Baltimore. This has been, uh, you know, arguably the best defense in the NFL all year. And, uh, uh, Better sometimes bet what they see last, and they just saw Kansas City win at Buffalo. Kansas City's won against two banged-up defenses. This will not be a banged-up defense this week.
2: Dolphins and Bills defense is not on the level of the uh, Baltimore Ravens defense. Uh, David Bierman, if if the favorites advance, Baltimore, San Francisco, what do you think the Super Bowl opening number is going to be Sunday night?
4: I would put Baltimore probably at about a two-point favorite over San Francisco, most notably because of what they did the first time they played San Francisco. I think without that game, San Francisco probably power ranking was two, two and a half, maybe three. But after what we saw on the field in in San Francisco on that Monday night, and you follow it up with if Baltimore goes ahead and beats Kansas City, they've answered every question they have. I would expect them
2: to open at about a two-point favorite over San Francisco. Yeah, that was when Brock Purdy got picked off three times. That was Christmas night, wasn't it? Yes. When uh, Baltimore yeah, blew up yep, yep. Yep, 49ers in San Francisco. At D. Beerman, PFM, Pro Football Network. David, I always appreciate the time. We'll see you in Vegas on Super Bowl week.
4: We'll be out there. Hopefully we'll uh, do it live in person. You bet,
3: David. Thank you.
2: All right, quick break here, and uh, we will catch up with the NBA and college basketball betting action right after we take a break on v tonight, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. At Bet365,
0: we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic, every home run, every hit, every inning, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
3: This is VSIN Tonight with Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds on VSIN, the sports betting network.
2: Put the VSIN experts to work for you. Start betting smarter with a VSIN Pro subscription. If you sign up on an annual subscription and use promo code TONIGHT, get your first year for only $199. Remember to use promo code TONIGHT. Get full VSim Pro access for only $199, slash subscribe. All right, Wes Reynolds, let's uh, talk some basketball betting action here. And we'll get to golf at Torrey Pines in the uh, next segment of the show because we've got a lot to talk about in that tournament as well. But with uh, an NBA game tipping off in L.A. here pretty soon, let's talk about the Bulls and the Lakers with uh, the Lakers up to five-and-a-half-point favorites, total of uh, 229-and-a-half. And And this total actually has been bet up at DraftKings. Do we we have the uh, Lakers starting lineup official report in? Right now, again, the Lakers five-and-a-half, and and the total is 229-and-a-half. DraftKings opened this total at 224-and-a-half.
3: It's going to six now because uh, Anthony Davis is in the starting lineup. So uh, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Torian Prince, AD, and LeBron. The five for the Lakers, for the Bulls, Kobe White, Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Booch.
2: And I think we're underway in San Francisco between the Kings and the Warriors, even though I'm not showing a score. What do you have? Yeah,
3: three to three here in the uh, first minute. Uh, uh, Sacramento closes 1 to 44 on the total, so the total did get bet up from the opener.
2: All right, college hoops tonight. Only one ranked team in action that's Arizona. I, I got to tell you, I was stunned over the weekend when I was watching UCLA, Arizona, and Tucson. And the Bruins had a big first half lead. And this has been a bad UCLA team. I said, what the hell's going on with Arizona? Now, Wildcats came back and won the game, but that was an ugly win. And tonight, Arizona, an 18 and a half point favorite at Oregon State. And we got three games on the college board yet to go. St. Mary's, a 27 point home favorite against Pacific. It's a really bad Pacific team, Mm -hmm. obviously. A bad Oregon State team, probably the worst team in the Pac-12. And then uh, later tonight we got a game in Hawaii we can talk about. But Pacific St. Mary's, Arizona, Oregon State, anything for you?
3: Nothing for me on the eight o'clock. Pacific is really the doormat of the West Coast Conference. And look, St. Mary's they they could they they could cover this number. I know that they're not a very fast-paced team, but they could cover this number in a big way. So uh, uh, I'm not necessarily wanting to lay that kind of number. I don't do that that often. I do it maybe sometimes in the in November, December when you got a high major against a really low major team, but usually not in conference play. But uh, St. Mary's, uh, I believe, uh, yeah, they, they beat Portland in this spot a couple weeks ago, 95-52, to 52. so they could certainly cover this number. St. Mary's has been winning by margin, though. They won by 24 at Santa Clara, beat San Francisco by 17 at USF uh, over the weekend, so I'm not wanting to get in front of
2: the Gales. San Francisco, a nine-point dog at Gonzaga tonight. Trails by one. Two minutes into the second half, Zags lead 34-33. to 33. We've also got Arizona State and Oregon in action. Arizona State had a half, five-point halftime lead as a 10-point road dog. Uh, but the Ducks have uh, stormed back to take a five-point lead with 12 minutes to go in the game.
3: I was really just happy now because they took the camera off me briefly cuz I've been I mean, you know you ever have to like scratch your nose or something or you get like an itchy nose Never. And no. you never have had that happen. Not one could...
2: time, never. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're perfect,
3: man. Nothing ever happens <laughs> happens to you. Of We're course. all human. I had to scratch my nose in the worst way and finally got that done. So, thank you very much, guys. Okay.
2: Glad they took the camera off yes. you from that. U C see Santa Barbara at Hawaii late night. That's 9 p.m. Pacific time tip. And uh, I did play Santa Barbara plus five. Gauchos won four in a row before a loss to Fullerton. A.J. Mitchell, one of the best players in the Big West, at 19 points a game, 40% from three. And I just I don't really like this Hawaii team, which is under 500 in the Big West. And I thought this line was going to be more like, I made this number basically Hawaii two, mm-hmm. two and a half. I'll take five with uh, the Gauchos.
3: Yeah, UCSB has certainly been uh, the big disappointment so far this season. I I thought this was inflated, too. I thought two and a half or three uh, would be fine. Hawaii games are kind of tough for me to get a handle on, though, because you get some shady officiating out there. And uh, so more often than not, I do not bet a lot of Hawaii basketball games, especially uh, out
2: there at the Sheriff Center. Anyway, that's the last game on the betting rotation tonight. Let's take a look at the Friday games in College Hoops. And we're going to start in the Big Ten, West, where Michigan State and Wisconsin go out. The Badgers won the first meeting between these teams in East Lansing. Spartans here are two-and-a-half-point underdogs in Madison. I see a three out there. In fact, there's a three right over our our shoulder here at Circa. But DraftKings, Westgate, most books have two-and-a-half. I thought Wisconsin was going to be a bigger favorite here. So I'm actually leaning with the small home favorite. I know it's a payback, revenge spot for the Spartans. I'm just not seeing enough positive signs with this Michigan State team to say this number should be two and a half. What do you make
3: it? Yeah, look, uh, I, I, I want to I go with Michigan State here. But, ugh, cause, uh, yeah, th- this to me, th- this looks at least right right now. I, I'm not going to take them uh, at two and a half. Uh, I would want to take them more at three and a half or four. So early move was to Michigan State, but I could see uh, Wisconsin getting some support tomorrow.
2: Well, typically I like these revenge spots and especially when uh, the team that lost at home was the favorite the first time and that was the case with Mm -hmm. Michigan State. But Mm -hmm. I think what we've seen since then in Big Ten basketball is that the Wisconsin Badgers are for real and Michigan State's really not. I hate to say that because I had the Spartans really highly rated before the season, but I was obviously wrong about that. West, this Michigan State team is just not what it was cracked up to be. Yeah,
3: and Wisconsin's only lost once at home, and that was to Tennessee in the second game of the season. Uh, And probably no shame in that because Tennessee is probably one of those teams that could theoretically get to a Final
2: Four. Tennessee's a legit top-ten team. Yes. And early in the season, Wisconsin was not playing as well as it is right now. Let's face it. The Badgers were blown out of Providence, blown out of Arizona. If they could play those games again now – be a much different result, I think. I like the way this Wisconsin team's come together. Uh, Badgers were at home against Indiana last week on Friday, won that game 91 79, snuck one out at Minnesota last night. Was that last night? It was two nights ago, 61 59 up in Minneapolis. But the first time Michigan State and uh, Wisconsin hooked up, that was December 5th in East Lansing, and the Badgers won that game 70 57.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Michigan State, uh, you know, now is now is the time when everybody kind of says it's Izzo time. We're getting late January right now. And look, they've got a couple good resume wins. That win over Baylor obviously is the home run win. The win over Butler is pretty darn good. That's going to matter late in the season and the win over Indiana State for that matter. But this is a team 4 and 4 Road game, then you get two at home. You get Michigan and Maryland at home. uh, Certainly should win, you would think, both of those games. Uh, But uh, this is where Michigan State, I think, really needs to start making that run. That second half at Maryland, they held on, but they barely held on. That that was one of the ugliest games that I've watched in college basketball this year.
2: I said the same thing that day. It was that second half, especially. And Michigan State was up 31-15 or 31-16 in the first half and mm-hmm. blew the lead and barely held on to win yeah. that game by two. And
3: if Maryland could throw a pee in the ocean, which in most games they cannot, except for Jameer Young. Jameer Young. Because Jameer Young actually uh, uh, would have tied the game, stepped on the line for a two, yep. and, then could, and then they had to foul and then couldn't get the shot off at the end.
2: What was interesting in that game, too, is Michigan State opened a a one-and-a-half point home favorite. that was bet to Maryland at minus one. Sharp Bunny was on the Terps, and Michigan State won by two. And actually, Maryland had the ball. Jameer Young had the ball driving for what would have been the tying score, and uh, the ball got knocked away, and Michigan State came up with a loose ball as time expired at the end of the game. That's how tight that was, and that's how good that number was. So it's interesting here. You think – you think the number? You thought the number would be around three, three and a half? Mm-hmm. I thought it would be a tick higher. I've downgraded Michigan State, and I've, I've upgraded Wisconsin, uh, even though typically I do like these spots that Michigan State's in in Madison uh, tomorrow night. Here's what concerns me about Michigan State. This is essentially the same team that beat Marquette in the tournament that Tom Izzo took to the Sweet 16. He's got veteran guards, Tyson Walker, as good as it gets in the Big Ten, really. I thought Xavier Booker and Jeremy Fears, the two McDonald's All-Americans, are going to make a big impact, and they have not at all. And uh, th- th- they're actually missing Hauser, who was a forty percent three point yeah. shooter. This the pieces to the puzzle haven't come together yet. Well, and and maybe t- it's going to happen in February, or maybe it happens tomorrow night well, in Madison. I'll maybe tell you, it's happened. been disappointing to the seniors,
3: especially AJ Hoggard. I think right. he's been the uh, Tyson Walker's kind of come on a little bit lately. You know, and, and, and really you know, been a leader, I think, for this team and uh, has given them a, a few good games in a row. But it's been A.J. Hoggard. I was expecting him to be kind of the guy that that, that really stepped up this year. And, you know, seven points against, uh, granted, these were home wins, but seven points against Rutgers, eight against Minnesota. Just, you know, not really giving them the offense that you would expect a senior guard to give them, at least on a consistent basis.
2: That's true. Uh, I, I just didn't expect Xavier Booker and Jeremy Fears two McDonald's All-Americans to be averaging yeah each about spot
3: three, minute players
2: basically. Well, they're averaging each like three and a half points a game. Anyway, Michigan State at Wisconsin, the marquee game on Friday night in college hoops. We'll talk golf betting when we come back.
0: This is VSEN
3: tonight with Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds on VSIN, the Sports Betting
2: Network. With Omaha Steaks you'll fall in love at first bite with their tender steaks, juicy burgers, air-chilled chicken and more. You're going to love every bite. It's Omaha Steaks' guarantee for a limited time when you go to omahasteaks.com/vsin. You're getting a four free boneless chicken breast, four free boneless pork chops with your order. Minimum purchase may apply omahasteaks.com/vsin. All right, Wes, let's talk uh, some golf betting at Tory Pines Farmers Insurance open. North of San Diego had a lot of rain early in the week. Uh, Have you noticed the effects of the rain this week as you watched this tournament for the first two days? Not particularly, uh, actually.
3: Uh, You know, I thought this would uh, play a little bit more difficult. Leader is uh, 12 under. and that's uh, Stefan Jaeger, who's seeking his first PGA Tour win. He is the co-favorite with uh, Nikolai Hoygard uh, Nikolai Heugard, uh, you know, a proven player, though. I've had him a couple times on the DP World Tour. He's now playing both tours, playing a lot more over here uh, stateside. And uh, pretty darn good round. He had a 5-under on the south course today, went 6-under on the north course. So uh, uh, justifiably there at the top, Tony Fee now, very good round, 6-under on the north today. He is at plus 750. So he is tied for third. Uh, and and look, most of these guys are Euro- are Europeans up here. Uh, Thomas Dietrich uh, from Belgium. He is ten under. Uh, Dietrich has been like a proverbial bridesmaid on the DP World Tour trying to get his first uh, big tour professional win. He's at 10 under Mathieu Pavone, the Frenchman. He is also at 10 under. And then you have Finau, Michael Kim, who is a local San Diegan. Uh, not a very long hitter. But, uh, Michael Kim went to Torrey Pines High School. Yeah, he did. There. He did. And Because he, he was saying something funny on Twitter. He's like, why didn't I get the press conference? I went to Torrey Pines High School because they always have certain guys they pick for the media availability. And uh, Michael Kim at 9 under and then uh, going down the rest of the time, top 10, Aaron Rye, Emiliano Grillo, Joe Bramlett, who's a big hitter off the tee. Not surprised to see him play well here. And then a host of players at seven under. uh, S.H. Kim, Patrick Rogers, Xander Shoffley amongst them. Rogers was one of my longer shots. Matsuyama, Maverick McNeely. So a lot of guys at seven under. So still a pretty darn wide open event here. Uh, And unfortunately, I don't have like complete shot link data to give you because they only do it for the south course, which they're now going to be for both the uh, uh, remaining rounds, the Friday and uh, Saturday rounds, as it were, because uh, that's where it's going to end here. So, yeah, just uh, just looking at this. Uh I feel like Finau at least is in very good position. He's my guy. That's the closest. Last right night now. we talked
2: about that. You recommended on the adjusted odds after the first round. Tony Finau at twenty-five to one, and yeah, that was a, that was a good call. He's because at he seven fifty. He shot a sixty-six today.
3: Yeah, he did. Uh, Xander Schauffele uh, did not really go that well on the North Course today. Uh, uh, still ten to one. That's about what his price was. He was the tournament favorite uh, coming in. So look. You're going to have you, – you've got a lot of guys up there that that, that haven't done a lot of winning, obviously. Uh, uh, the only one uh, – the highest guy that's actually got a PJ Tour win is Tony Finau. They're tied for fifth. So, you could have maybe some guys uh, come back, or you're going to have some guys that will fall back uh, just looking uh, – at the guys that made the cut on the number, and that was three under uh, some of the notable names. Will Zalatoris made it on the number. Keegan Bradley made it on the number. Akshay Batia makes it on the number. At four under, you have uh, Justin Rose, Ludwig Obert, Harris English, Sahih Figala, Minwoo Lee, Max Homa. They are at four under. The notables at five under Shane Lowry. And uh, I believe, uh, yeah, Shane Lowry at five under. Patrick Cantlay at six under. He only shot one over on the south course today. So he fell back a little bit. Taylor Montgomery, Bo Hosler at six under. So a lot of, lot of lot of names here and, and and you know that maybe could come back from the back if they could go like 4 or 5 under early on the south course while these guys are kind of scrambling on the weekend because if I'm looking at what the winning score is going to be and the, and this has been 20 mm-hmm. under in the past maybe it's going to get there but I think the conditions I would think that they're going to get tougher over the weekend with the pin placements. These greens are not very big. You're not going to hit a lot of these greens anyway, so you're going to have to scramble out of that tricky rough. Some the tricky south chip course shots.
2: Is tougher anyway. Yeah. No, and, no, no more uh, rounds on the North Course this week.
3: Yeah. So, so, uh, so now now the South Course gets uh, very I was tough. Say for these 17
2: guys. under for a winning score. That what probably is.
3: I, I think that's probably realistic. If you look last four years, Homo was 13 under. Luke List 15 under. Yeah. Patrick Reed in 2021 14 under. Mark Leishman at 15 under wow. in 2020. Because keep in mind, in those years, this got renovated, this Torrey Pines uh, golf course, the south course, because they did host the U.S. Open when John Rahm won there a few years ago. So you don't see, you know, as much as the, like, 20 under or anything like that. That's what Justin Rowe shot here in 2019. You know, it's going to be chilly, the, the thick marine layer. So... I don't think that this is going to go, like, to 20 under. I just can't anticipate that. But I think 16, 17 probably is going to end up being the winning score.
2: Let's talk about the players, the notable players who missed the cut. If you've got money on these guys, you're out of luck. How about Colin Morikawa? What yeah, he, he
3: fell back because he was up there high bust. on the leaderboard. I, I thought, uh, and I, I saw some people I respect that actually did uh, bet him on the outright, and I just thought Joey he was Tunes. a little bit too short. Joey
2: Toons, our buddy Joey Fortuna bet Calo Morikawa. I was giving him some uh, hard time about it today. Sunjay M Morikawa shot 67 on uh, Tuesday, and he came out. Oh, excuse me, on a Wednesday, he came out today and shot 75 to miss the cut.
3: Yeah, a couple other notables, Soonjay M, Keith Mitchell. Uh, I was watching the end of the coverage. He had a chance to make birdie to get in on that number at three. There was a possibility it was going to go to four, but ends up being t T-64 because T-65 and ties are what make the cuts in these full field events. Uh, 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 so uh, – Three under does make it. Uh, just looking, looking down the board at some of these other Jason guys.
2: Day Jason Day misses the cut. Jason Day
3: misses the cut. Billy Horschel misses the cut at one over a uh, uh, couple couple other guys. Seb Straka, who I, one of my guys, uh, missed the cut. I thought he was really going to play well this week. He finishes four over. Eric Cole, who's been red hot. I did fade him in a matchup. Uh, Eric Cole, four over. And Daniel Berger, mm-hmm. six over. But Daniel Berger, this is only his second event back from being off a year and a half with
2: injury. Daniel Berger missed it. Billy Ho, Billy Horschel Mm -hmm. missed the cut. Uh, Cameron Champ. Uh, You mentioned Keith Mitchell. Gary Woodland missed the cut, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: a lot lot of notables uh, 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 this week. Uh, Next week, by the way, is going to be the uh, designated event. At, uh,
2: Pebble Beach Pebble Beach Pro this
3: time Pebble Beach was the you know kind of struggled uh, in the field last year now I was happy with it because I was happy to get Justin Rose but Pebble Beach uh, going to be a designated event we have uh, one extra entry that we can account for in this thing and that is uh, the announcement we heard earlier today Nick Dunlap will be turning professional remember Dunlap was the amateur uh, from University of Alabama 20 years of age that won last week at the American Express. First amateur, by the way, to win on the PGA Tour since Phil Mickelson at the Tucson Open in 1991. Uh, PGA Tour, by the way, did not put that in their press release. So, uh, <laughs> no surprise there. Uh, a little shade at Phil with the no mention based on where he's playing right now. But Nick Dunlap, I was actually surprised when I saw this announcement this morning. I thought he might finish his college season. And uh-huh. then, because he's already eligible, having won the US amateur. Uh, he's already in the. US Open he's already in the masters he's already in the open championship so uh, I believe he's yeah I believe he might forego the open championship now he can still get in on his world ranking but he is going to turn professional next week and makes his professional debut at Pebble Beach
2: time to make some money yeah Nick Dunland. yeah, 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 yeah. a
3: lot of money out there to be made that's so that's so hard to like turn those opportunities down I thought he might wait till after the college season but you know look, you're now he's now exempt by the way through twenty end of 2026. Mm-hmm. He's in all the designated events too. So he's in, you know, Pebble Beach. He's in the Players and all the Invitational's. Uh, the the Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas's tournament at the Memorial. So he's in all the big time events. So uh, uh, we'll see uh, how good Nick Dunlap is. Very very uh, shortly. Uh, obviously he's very good, having won uh, last week, but. Now you're competing on the PGA Tour against the big guns, man. Totally different level. But I tend to think he's going to be very successful. I, I think this is a guy, junior amateur and U.S. amateur champion. Only Tiger Woods won both those titles. Uh, so I think Nick Dunlap's got a very bright future. We just had him. We just had Aldrich Potgeeter, who is the big-hitting South African who won on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's 19 years old. D- d- golf? Golf's got a lot of young talent, despite the fact that they keep trying to shoot themselves in the face with the uh, divisiveness uh, of this game. A lot of young, good players out there.
2: Yeah, PGA Tour is going to be fine without some of the guys who took the money and went to the Live event. I can tell you who I'm rooting for this weekend. Taylor Montgomery is one guy I've got to play on at about 100 to 1. Actually, I think 85 to 1. We've also got him plus 330 to finish uh, top 20. And Montgomery is six under right now in a tie for 23rd, six strokes back. Also, uh, a couple long shots. I think you've got one of them, Patrick Rogers at 75 to Mm 1. And uh, I played Maverick McNeely just for the hell of it this week at 300 to 1.
3: Yeah, so we both at least got a couple in contention uh, uh, this weekend. A
2: few guys who have a shot this weekend at Torrey Pines. Yeah. All right, uh, there's an NFL wide receiver in trouble for his sports betting. Uh, this is a crazy story. We're going to talk about that when we come back on B tonight.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
3: This is VSIN tonight with Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds on VSIN, the sports
0: betting network.
2: DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs that much better. New players can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VSIN. It's promo code VSIN. Wes, I know you saw this story today. David David uh, Purdom of ESPN.com reported this. I saw it other places as well. Uh, Patriots receiver Kayshawn Booty. I don't know. I, if think, it, I think it's Boote. I used to think it was Boote, and then I actually heard it pronounced Booty this year during an NFL yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering. So about, I'm
3: using the Cajun pronunciation since he did play at LSU. Boote.
2: Anyway, the Patriots receiver, and a former LSU star, arrested in a sports betting probe. Police said a betting account or accounts he was associated with placed more than 8,900 wagers with at least six on LSU football. 8,900 wagers? For a guy that doesn't do this full-time? My God, that's a lot. I dug into the story a little bit, and I found out that he was tra- tailing all of Wes Reynolds' golf plays. So that's how one reason he got up to eight thousand nine hundred. Well,
3: maybe maybe that's why he has the money. Uh, at, le- at least based on uh, last year's results, uh, we still have yet to uh, win the first
2: one this year. Eight thousand nine hundred. How the hell do you get that many bets? Unless you got a lot of other people betting on these accounts. I'm guessing that that <laughs> it was probably the case. What do you think the uh, future is going to be for Keshawn Boutte or Booty?
3: Yeah, I think he's probably
2: going facing to ha- be suspension. facing
3: a, a fairly lengthy suspension.
2: Bill Belichick might not be the only uh, former Patriot who's going to be sitting out next season.
3: Yeah, maybe they can reunite at his next job if if he gets one. But uh, yeah, yeah, saw that saw this today, and look, this is this is going to be relatively commonplace now. Uh, we've seen it not only in in college but professional. You know, sometimes you get these guys. Uh, that are bored and, you know, they have ready, readily available access to these apps uh-huh. across the country. So everybody plays with their phone and
2: uh, uh, playing and placing bets for sure. Yeah, I always think it's a little bit hypocritical for the leagues to tell players they can't bet on anything. You know, especially when we're talking about the leagues and these sports books who have uh, partnerships, business partnerships. You can't say, "Well, they they define the rules, and that's what the rules are." And if you're going to be a player, you have to follow those. Uh, I don't really know what's wrong in a general sense with an NFL player betting on golf, right, or betting on an NBA game or stuff like that. Do you have a problem with that?
3: No, not really. I mean, if you if you have the money to lose, obviously, you know, there's some integrity issues in terms of betting on your own sport.
2: Yeah, but you can't. You know, I'm fine with not betting on your own sport, especially your own team, but you can't bet on your own sport. But I don't see anything wrong with uh, players placing bets on other sports. I don't or either.
3: And, 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 and long before the apps and, you know, that this gets technically legal in all these different jurisdictions, if you don't think that these guys weren't betting basketball right. or these guys weren't betting uh, college football – or, or whatever, that they don't bet with each other. They bet with each other over everything. They bet on card games on the plane or, sure. on, the, or on the bus. Or... Well,
2: not just with each other. A lot of times they bet with a bookie.
3: Right, right. I remember the old stories, uh, the old uh, Indiana Pacers back day in the, in the ABA. Uh, Slick Leonard yeah. would always play cards with the guys and take all their money. Coach taking all the players' money. So, yeah, it has been going on. I, I think that this is a pretty light bid here.
2: But I would think that uh, he's not going to see the field in 2024 and who knows how long the suspension is going to be for the Patriots wide receiver. Uh, I do want to get your uh, take today. Raheem Morris hired as coach by the Atlanta Falcons instead of Bill Belichick. And did the Falcons make a mistake here? Do you think they made the right move? Raheem Morris, 47 years old. Last three years he was with the Rams as defensive coordinator. Did a pretty good job uh, with the Rams. Previous to that, he was the head coach in Tampa Bay. He went 17-31 and for three seasons from 2009 to 2011. He was also the interim coach of the Falcons, and he had a 4-7 and record uh, there. This is a recycled former coach, but he's a young guy who you figured at some point was going to get a second chance. If you're hiring for the Falcons, Wes, would you rather have Belichick or Morris? And the Falcons obviously went with Morris.
3: Yeah, you know, like, and you look, they they went with the younger guy at forty seven, and I think Morris, he was the head coach, as you mentioned, at Tampa Bay uh, twenty nineteen to twenty eleven. He was so not too
2: impressive in no, a head coach. No, coaching he
3: was not, but uh, you know, has had to work his way back up and that's what you do work your way back up so I don't want to necessarily call this a retread because he's waited about 13 years to get another head coaching uh, position uh, was on the Falcons staff by the way as the assistant head coach of 2015 to 2019 was the defensive coordinator there so obviously Arthur Blank and the ownership and the front office felt pretty comfortable with him so I can kind of understand it and I think Morris deserves another shot but are you going to get another shot at Bill Belichick? I, I don't know. I, I can see why they, why they went with Morris here.
2: So speaking of Belichick, is he done? Is he going to resurface? I don't think he's done. Uh, we could see him in a TV role next season, but here's what I think happens with uh, Belichick. Either Nick Sirianni and the Eagles flop next season or Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys flop next season, and you're going to see Belichick – as a prominent candidate in either Philadelphia or Dallas. That might
3: be what he waits on here. That might be what he waits on because I think if you're going to have Bill Belichick and he's, you know, probably what he wants and maybe what other teams want, you got to put him with like a ready made team.
2: At 71, 72 years old, yeah. he's not going to be in for a long rebuild, you would think. Yeah. Or a and and rebuild.
3: I still think Atlanta, even though they didn't finish all that much out of the playoffs, granted the division that they're in, they're still like right there. Never too far yeah, away. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I think you need something a little bit more ready-made. You know, much like uh,
2: the Bucks roster was ready-made for Tom Brady when he went down there and won a Super Bowl. Well, when you look at the Seattle Seahawks, who do you think they hire? And would you go for Mike Vrabel, a Belichick guy?
3: I, I would certainly go if Mike yeah. Vrabel. I'd consider him for any job. So, uh, you know, if it came down to him or Dan Quinn, uh, I know Dan Quinn has time within the organization as a former defensive coordinator, but. I certainly would go with Mike Vrabel. I think he gets a lot out of a little, and he did that many years down in Tennessee.
2: Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, those guys I think are going to resurface as uh, candidates. Probably going to have to sit out a year Mm -hmm. at this point. I actually, you and I have talked about this before. I think the Navy football coach is a buffoon, and uh, I'd love to see Belichick go coach at the college level. And I, 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 I kind of
3: want to. Speaking of Navy, uh, just see, Coach Ken uh, gets the San Jose State yeah. job. Uh, so uh, uh, we're going to have some uh, triple option to look forward to in the Mountain West.
2: All right, let's update uh, College Hoops as we get to the end of the hour here. we got uh, plenty of NFL to talk about in the final hour tonight. But, uh, Wes, we talked about the uh, marquee game on Friday between Michigan State and Wisconsin Uh, Tonight, we've got a ranked team about to tip off. The only ranked team in action tonight, Arizona at Oregon State. We're not seeing any late movement in this number at DraftKings. Arizona is still an 18-and-a-half point favorite. 17-and-a-half here at Circa, 18 at some other spots, total of uh, 148. We've said we don't have any action in that one. Bruce Marshall was on the show with us last night. Bruce said take nine with San Francisco against Gonzaga. Right now, the Zags lead 56-52 with five minutes to go. Uh, so the Dons are giving the Zags all they can handle tonight in Spokane.
3: Yeah, no, no question here. Very, very low scoring game, too. Uh, this would be a big win for San Francisco because they, you know, we've been waiting to see, okay, is this team for real? They're 15 and 5 uh, uh, to start the year. But this is a game, uh, even though San Francisco is not that bad of a profile, like this isn't a bad loss per se, but it's certainly uh, not one that's going to help their NCAA tournament causes.
2: It looks like Arizona State's going to take a big loss tonight, and that game has gone final now. We talked about the Sun Devils were up 5.5 at Oregon as a 10-point dog. Well, the Ducks turned the tables in the second half. about 80-61 to 61 final? Dana Altman, whatever adjustments he made at halftime work tonight because the Ducks down 5, come back to win by 19. Yeah, that would have
3: been a nice second half to take, minus yeah. 7.5 as uh, Arizona State gets absolutely blown out up in Eugene.
2: If you laid three on the road with Long, with uh, UC Irvine at Long Beach tonight, you're feeling pretty good about the anteaters' start. They're up 37-17 to 17 late in the first half. And the only play I've got uh, tonight is UC Santa Barbara plus five at Hawaii, and that one tips off a little over an hour from now in Honolulu, and it looks like Circuit just dropped to four and a half, but there's still plenty of fives out there on the Gauchos. Riverside
3: leads, leads at half at UCSD thirty six to thirty three.
2: You've got Riverside plus seven and a half, yes. right? Yes, up three at halftime. All right, we're going to talk more Tory Pines golf in the final hour tonight. We had a uh, viewer send in a really interesting stat last night that we were talking about uh, during the show, and uh, we've got some long shots in play headed to the weekend north of uh, San Diego and the Farmers Insurance Open. We've also got to talk both NFL playoff games. We had two great guests on the show tonight, Paul Bovi and David Bierman, with their best bets for the NFL playoffs. We'll talk about ours. And we also have plenty more of NBA and college hoops betting in the final hour of the show, the Sports Betting Network vSEN tonight.
0: If you dare.